0: And welcome to episode five of Them Undone. Welcome back. <laughs> We're back after somewhat of a hiatus. I don't know how long it was. It might have been like two months. <laughs> we had these grand plans of having a bi weekly podcast, it didn't It didn't yeah, happen. Life got in the way. Right.
1: Well, I also know we both have really particularly busy falls. Yeah. And we kept being like, oh, we could record another one via distance. Or like, we could record this thing when I get home after like 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we we're just like, that's not a good idea.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: But we're back. We're committed to
0: continuing. And we are very, very excited about today's episode. Yeah. So today is January 20th, 2018. Woo. Today marks the one year anniversary of Trump's inauguration. And today yeah. was also the second women's march.
1: Yeah, so maybe excited wasn't the right word yeah. to use.
0: <laughs> As I was saying excited, I was like, I
1: mean, I'm excited to be back. But also there's some like there's some shit that's been going down. I mean obviously, like, but it's it's a lot for it to be, I think, a year mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. but in a way it feels so much faster and and I think by that I mean like it is it feels almost easier to sit with the fact that it's been a year versus sort of sitting there on January 20th after the November election and feeling like it was really really long mm-hmm. and I know that's one of the things that we kind of talked about right away was this feeling of like desensitization to kind of get right into it right mm-hmm. and just feeling like because things have been so extreme that the things that were harder to stomach in years past are almost
0: easier, in a way, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah, and this past year, it simultaneously, like, flew by, and it's also was a really long year in yeah. so many ways, too. I think that the first few months post-inauguration kind of dragged, because every day you, like, I know for me personally, at the beginning of 2017... I was trying to stay on top of the news every single day because Mm -hmm. I was afraid. And I was like, what new is going to happen today? Right. By, honestly, by like April, May. Right. I wasn't keeping up with the news as much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not even going to say as much as I should have been. It was more of like self-care and more of like trying not to live in fear. Right. But I also wanted to stay aware. And so that was kind of like that line that was a little bit difficult. Like if I someone else would mention something or I see something I say oh I'm out of the loop I need to focus on this and then I go down the Facebook hole oh my god right right well that's the problem right is that
1: like you you know even in this act of self-care of withdrawing and pulling back from you know reading the news keeping up with the news every day like there's still this like you go on social media you go on even Instagram like you can't really escape that Mm -hmm. you know there isn't anybody who is not talking about it Mm -hmm. like it comes up in some way shape or form
0: mm-hmm. but I remember like the first few months if someone missed something like everyone like in my office my friend group right if you or my family if you miss something you're like oh you want to learn more about that and right. then and you say that and you'd be really surprised by something that happened mm-hmm. and then now it's like something happens and we were just talking about this it's something happens and it's something huge or massive right. that we find out and then there's just this nonchalant it's not I'm not surprised It's not nonchalance, that's the wrong word, but it, but yeah, you, you have been desensitized to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right, absolutely. So I think, you know, a really recent example is everything that's been going on with DACA and TPS. Mm -hmm. So I feel like folks are more familiar with DACA, but TPS is, like, Temporary Protective Status, which Mm -hmm. has just been lost for a lot of folks for, um, from, rather, El Salvador and Haiti. And I remember hearing about it, and I was like, eh. And, and not, you know, not in a way that's sort of lessening, like, the the really severe and terrible loss, but just thinking about sort of our government and who is in place,
0: like... It's not surprising. Right.
1: And I've certainly never been disillusioned by the government that we have, you know? Like, I think a lot of people want to hark back to the Obama days, and they don't realize that there was a lot of shit going down during that administration that was really fucked up, you know? But certainly, when it is this egregious of a difference, when we have a year where something like Charlottesville happens, like, they're... Again, right? There's this this desensitization. There's this this way I think of holding things that you know is I think a coping mechanism, you know, in in part, um, but is very different in in I think ways that it's been passed. Not because we're holding different things necessarily, but the ways in which they are being held by society around us. is There are are these small shifts. Small and large, Mm -hmm. right? Because I certainly don't want to diminish the policy changes that have been going on.
0: Yeah. Do you want to talk about some of the things that have happened in 2017? Yes! Oh, my God. So we came
1: up with a list, and we spent literally like an hour and a half trying to come up with shit, and then we just like, we gave up after a certain point. And it's
0: not exhaustive at all. Mm -mm, Um, mm -mm. Trying to find a timeline of things that have happened in 2017 is actually... Not as easy as you'd think. Um, there's so many things. right? Um, so we're going to attempt yeah, to do a recap. We'll <laughs> right. see how this goes. Right. <laughs>
1: uh, and, you know, just talk about, I think, like, things that really stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, like, in the collective consciousness, but, like, for us. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, um, I'm not sure if there's one... In particular, you kind of wanted to start with because we wrote quite a few down. Yeah. the
0: thing is, I think we tried to go chronologically. Yes. and then it sort of just was things that really stuck out. Is like it's a wrong way of, of talking about it because everything is so right. important and has some sort of gravity. Um, right. but sure, I'll start with I think the most immediate thing after the women's march mm-hmm. um, that happened in D.C. and we can talk about that actually uh, too. Uh-huh. But
1: fucking women's march, Do we, let's just,
0: let's, let's just <laughs> right, right. We can we can let's pause talk about for a minute. The women's march. Well, because that's the yeah. first thing that
1: is, yeah, you know, I think one of the first larger scale things that happened was this huge mobilization, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you actually went to DC, I, did. To the
1: women's I went march. to DC. Well, it was funny, it was like a very last minute thing. Um, I had a friend in the area who was a queer woman of color, um, who like you know, we knew each other, we were friends, and we were talking about like how it felt important for us to be there, not necessarily, like, in terms of this, like, very white, cis-centered movement, but I think just thinking about, like, this moment in history and having representation as women of color there, but also, like, for all its faults at the women's march, there were some pretty badass moments. So like my friend and I, we went. It was the very last minute. We drove down in her car. God bless her for <laughs> for letting us use her car.
0: Part, um, side
1: note. We we ended up staying with a friend of a friend okay. in Virginia. Um, but we we got to stand up on this barricade in this march of like half a million people and watch Angela Davis speak. Yeah. You know, and and see her, and it was just like. Really incredible for me, and it's hard, right? Because it's contextualized by this sea of fucking pink hats, mm-hmm. y- you know. And I remember it's interesting reading a lot of articles that were talking to like radical feminists and that were saying like, y'all need to remember that you had these points of learning as well. Like you, you were way back where these white women were. And in part, I'm like, okay, I get it, like, I'm glad that there's numbers, like, to add to the movement, but that doesn't take away from the impact of, like, fucking walking through a sea mm-hmm. of, like, these pussy hats, of, like, you know, I think one of the, the more clear-cut and obvious things that I've heard folks talk about and that I recognize is, like, that's hella trans exclusive, because, like, mm-hmm. sorry, not all women have vaginas. Not yeah. that, you know, we should be focusing on women, because that's problematic in and of itself, right, mm-hmm. to just reduce it down to women. Um... But also, like, this thing that you and I have talked about and other people have talked about Mm -hmm. where not all vaginas are pink. And whose vaginas are pink? White women's. Yeah. You know, like, my friend and I had this, like, conversation, like, coming back from D.C., talking about, like, people we've hooked up with and white folks in particular Mm -hmm. and their conceptualization around, like, skin and what it looks like when you're getting all up in there and people are, are not... Like white people just don't have yeah. that in their minds, and That's that was their just default. like exactly.
0: Yeah, they don't even stop to think about it. Exactly,
1: yeah. and it was just like the simplest, easiest example of how white women only ever think about themselves in mm-hmm. feminism.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't go to the women's march, and there was one here locally. I feel like we've already mentioned where we are. So I'm just gonna say it. Northampton. Yeah. <laughs> Northampton. <As laughs> right. Um, I decided not to go to it. I remember I like. Was feeling, obviously, sad and, and and down about the day before of what happened, of Trump being his inauguration. Right. Um, still, at that point, in my mind, I had the hope of, like, he'll be impeached. And I can mm. talk about that in a second, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, this is not going to be permanent, or I was hoping it would not be permanent. Um, and I considered going to the Women's March, and I remember I even, like, started walking in that direction Um, And one, there's, like, several things of reasons why I didn't. Um, One, I'm extremely, like, I don't like large crowds at all. Yeah, yeah, Um, right. I just get really anxious around large crowds. And then, two, I was hearing the chants that people were saying. Mm. I could hear them from, like, really far away, and I realized this is not what I want to be a part of. So I turned around, (laughs) and then I just, like, went home, and then I watched the live stream of, of the Women's March in D.C., and I was, mm-hmm. watching Angela Davis speak. So it was from afar. Yeah TV. I was watching it, <laughs> yeah. and I was happier being on my couch and, and watching mm. it. And then in that moment, that was when I was, like, I feel bad that I'm not out there participating, but I also... It's not something that I want to yeah. participate in. Right. And, like, I can make that choice to not do that. Right. Um, and what else can I say that about... Oh, impeaching. Um, mm. That was something that we also talked about uh, recently of... For the first few months, it was kind of the assumption, yeah, of he's gonna do something or he has so many reasons already to be impeached. He being Trump, yes, yeah. he being Trump. Um, and it was kind of it wasn't necessarily a given, but there was this like hopefulness around that. And right. now, if anyone talks about impeachment, right. people kind of look at you like, like what? What? Why are you right. holding on to that? Now? Right.
1: Well, it's like this. you has been you... a shift. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, I think, you know, the very most recent example with this government shutdown, you know, they're talking about how this, like, shithole country's comment sort of precipitated that, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't have the full context, I think, but I know well enough that, like, he's not going to fucking get impeached. He can't do anything at this point. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just the the bar, like, continues to just, like, be completely surpassed. Mm-hmm. You know, where he... Can and does pretty much get away with anything, yeah. you know, and it's not grounds for impeachment because I mean, of the way that our society works, right, and and the ways in which sort of white supremacy is kind of keeping him afloat in this way that it, you know, it wouldn't really anyone else who wasn't yeah. like a white cis straight man.
0: And you brought up accountability earlier, right? We've like, never held him accountable for anything. Of course not. Yeah. Right. Well, not in a like a legal in a legal of way. Course. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, I think it's, you know, it's, the, it's, it's this sort of really interesting, I don't have a better word for it, but it's, it's this like fucked up context, honestly, for another thing that we've, that's happened this year that we talked about, Me Too, mm-hmm. and what's now being talked about as Time's Up, right, after Oprah's speech um, at the Golden Globes, which I have, we have all types of feelings about. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, this, This space in which we are now coming into a culture that is holding people accountable, kind of, yeah, right? Like, who's being held accountable and which victims are actually Mm -hmm. being, like, who's, who, like, which victims and which survivors' narratives are actually being listened to, Right. right? Those are particular things, but... Um, right. We're in this culture where we're talking more about holding people accountable right, right, in ways that we're not holding our own president accountable. I mean, we're, we're talking about it certainly. Like, I think that's on the radar and people have said like, well, we have this person in office who's perpetrated the same shit that we're trying to hold other people accountable for and nothing's being done, but that's all it gets to, right. It only gets to that point. And it's, it's just, it's this limitation that I think I'm never surprised at but that just comes so much more to the surface for me during events like these women's marches, right? So, you know, I think I told you I was listening to um, Code Switch the other day where they had an episode where they were talking about the Latino women who were doing work around Me Too and who were saying Me Too before all these white women came up and picked it up, right? Obviously we've talked about Tarana Burke and the ways in which she really founded and precipitated that, but it didn't Pick up until now, right? And how much did it take for her to have a public face and for people to know her name, right? So, like, the folks on Code Switch were talking about migrant workers and young undocumented women, um, I mean, young and old, honestly, um, who were experiencing sexual assault and whose assailants and whose perpetrators were threatening them in terms of status, right? So they're saying, like, if you don't have sex with me, I will call ICE. I'll call CBP, right? I told you about how Code Switch they were talking about this one woman in particular who, she's a mother, she's undocumented, she has children she needs to support, and her supervisor, like, wouldn't give her a paycheck um, unless she slept with him. And she mm-hmm. has children to support, and she was sort of talking about, like, with her status, of course, it's incredibly difficult to find employment, mm-hmm. you know, and how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, I don't want to insinuate that, like, all of these issues, and issues isn't isn't strong enough of a word, right? All of these incidents with undocumented workers who are being assaulted, it's not just kind of this coercion piece where there is, you know, I will withdraw this from you or I will threaten you if this happens, right? Mm -hmm. There are certainly women who say, no, fuck that, and then they will become assaulted anyway. But again, I think just bringing this up because there is all this work that is being done with and for those folks and those people, those Latinas have been talking about it for so long and Tarana Burke has come up with this for so long and then it doesn't gain traction until it's a Milano. Milano. Mm -hmm. And this is what we heard at the march today. You know, people were were saying time's up, right? Again, you want to talk about women of color, Mm -hmm. like Oprah is the one putting that forward and yet white women have no problem
0: just like taking that Mm -hmm. and making it their own. Yeah. And earlier today, we, so Jackie and I went to the march today, um, so I guess the second march, um, on the anniversary, and so we went today, and we didn't necessarily have the highest of hopes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Especially because we went to the one in Northampton. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, it's, it's Northampton. Right. Um, and so we didn't have the highest of hopes. We didn't, we were excited to go but also, like, had our reservations and were kind of like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. And, right. Um, luckily we did meet up with some other QPOC. Yeah. Um, and a group of people who were really, like, vocal as well. Right. In terms of their chants, um, and we were really excited. We were also around some cute kids who were... Yeah. ...starting to chant with us, and it was, a, sort of, like, a call Like, really response.
1: small kids. Yeah. It was really cute. Um,
0: and I was like, yes! Good. <laughs> Starting right. Starting them early. Um... <laughs> But what we noticed pretty immediately a certain chance got a lot of response from and we're in like a sea of white people. Oh yeah. Um, white people wearing their pussy hats. Yeah. Um there were chants, let's see, I'm trying to think of um, women's lives are under attack, stand up, fight back. And so that was a very like there was a lot of participation in that one. Right. And then another chance um, no justice, no peace, no racist police, people were more hesitant to join in on that one. Right. Um, occasionally we'd hear like sort of, you know, like when people would, would join in, but there Mm -hmm. wasn't like a sustained, like, you know, call and response happening there. There wasn't like a resounding kind of
1: power behind like chants about like fuck racist police in the way that there was for things that were centered around women Mm
0: -hmm. and even like people on the side people who were just like watching the march as it happened Mm -hmm. um a lot of times people would you know sort of like cheer and support or like even join in on it on the Mm chance they didn't as much with that one either
1: yeah too like Mm -hmm. people on the
0: side were just kind of like oh okay right yeah right um i think we were talking about top um more of the timeline <laughs> yes right uh, yeah <laughs> you know look
1: a little bit but you know I think we're still we're still on track in terms of like thinking about how this sort of started with the women's march and yeah. then here we are you're later thinking about the anniversary but also thinking about how so much has happened in between then and now right and this accountability that we're sort of coming to see more publicly, but it's a very limited accountability, mm-hmm. right? And it's accountability that benefits, you know, in this case, for example, white cis women mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. Um, and is very, like, targeted towards such, you know, and is very intentionally kind of directed in that way. I can appreciate a lot what the founders of the Women's March have tried to do in terms of making this feminism a more intersectional one. You know, however, it still is predominantly you know, what it is. And I think a movement that is very hard for a lot of trans and gender nonconforming folks mm-hmm. to engage in and for a lot of POC
0: mm-hmm.
1: to engage in. Because it's not about them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, in a way that I think much of, you know, that's how white feminism operates, which is yeah. essentially what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, it excludes everyone else. Um, I guess going back to a 2017 recap here. Right. Everything that's happened this can... year. Talk about the travel ban. So that happened pretty immediately after the Women's March. It was probably like a few days after the Women's March. Right. When that um, came into effect. And Mm. I remember going to, um, speaking of like marches or just protests in general, um, I drove out um, with a group of people to Boston, um, to Copley Square. um, Mm. And that, it was, I don't even know like the right words for it. It was interesting um it was good to see the amount of people like the volume of people was amazing who went out um there were also there was like there were people like there's a SWAT team there mm-hmm. um there was a lot of police present and they made themselves known right um the thing that uh, I was talking about with you was I also went with someone who had never been to a protest before mm. um I'll bring it up. Yeah, yeah. I went on this, um, like, the person who was going with one of them, um, who is a white woman who's never been to a protest before, um, and I remember on the car ride there we were talking about, like, not necessarily ev- evasive tactics, but kind of, like, these plans of, like, where to meet up if something happens. Right. And, like, all of these things of, like, protecting yeah. her, basically, and trying to, like prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember even having that conversation of, like, being hesitant to, like, even bring that up, and, mm. and a part of me was, like, I guess this is important, and then the other part of me was, like, why are we doing this? Why mm-hmm. are we talking about this? Like, if that happens, you stay there. Right. If something happens, like, you don't just... You don't run away. Run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I saw the value in that, but I was also, like, kind of disappointed in that whole conversation. Mm. Um, and then being there, again, I don't, like many people around and so a part of it was also like okay this is overwhelming but also right. like seeing the value in, in, mm. in the numbers there because this is the type of thing that's separate from the women's march right it's I felt like it was more important for me to be a part of that right um well I can imagine
1: because it's more reflective of like the community you're part of and of like POC right. yeah and it actually was I think I can imagine right intersectional in a way that I don't think the Women's March ever was, mm-hmm. as yeah. much as it tried to be.
0: Yeah. I could be totally off base. No, no, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at this, um, at this protest, it was, there were a lot of white people there, there were also a lot of mm-hmm. kids there, and mm-hmm. so that was, like, the thing mm-hmm. that, in my mind, I was like, this is, it's unlikely. Right. It, or at least it's less likely mm-hmm. at, like, let's say, a Black Lives Matters protest, or mm-hmm. any other protest where, right. like, POC voices are centered, um, right where something would happen and where I would have to actually try and think about what to do right. in a situation like that. Right. I would, like I, There were so many kids around me right. that I was like, I don't think anything would happen. And if it did, it wouldn't play right. out in the way that it would.
1: Right. Well, the other thing that was not new, but certainly more public, I think, was that there were quite a number of lawyers mm-hmm. who were at, you know, a couple of these sites when there were protests happening at different airports and things like that. And I remember reading, about folks with law degrees, like going in to spaces and just like bringing their computers and like staying overnight or offering like pro bono legal help or trying to help navigate what was going on. Again, you know, that's not a new thing, but certainly, I think a thing that was a lot more public than ever before. And I think like, at least you know, to to my knowledge, right? Um, but I think also, the thing about that for me was, it was kind of the smaller piece that was indicative of this larger response, you know, of this mass protest that I think, yeah, the Women's March was hella problematic, but it is also an interesting lens through which to think about, like, how many people are showing up, not just here, but around the world, right? So there were multiple Women's Marches outside of the United States, you know, and also, like, thinking about folks looking in, Mm -hmm. right, and thinking about the larger sort of, I don't want to say Western context, because I I certainly don't want to limit to Western thinking, you know, but I think sort of a lot of the larger powers in the West, you know, who are operating essentially under, like, some similar white supremacist shit, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we're also, you know, kind of looking at us in this particular way and this response that I think I haven't fully experienced, like, seeing that written about so publicly. Yeah. At least in my lifetime. Yeah, You know, which was, I'm not necessarily saying that's good, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it was certainly a shift, especially considering the recent changes to the travel ban, right? So I was just confirming to make sure that I got the countries right, but, you know, when this, in September, when the travel ban, when they kind of tried again to add more countries, Mm -hmm. right, because Trump was essentially trying to be like, I'm not racist, I'm not, like, discriminating against Muslim folks, he added Chad, and North Korea, and Venezuela. And I remember, like, thinking about that and hearing it and being, like, well, and, and, and having a little bit less fury and surprise and outrage and being a little frustrated with myself, right, for having less fury and surprise and, and outrage. Maybe not surprise. Um, but the response was so different, y- you know, when they tried to push that again versus, I think, this mass movement that we saw. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it was covered differently. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Northampton is not exactly the pinnacle for
0: mm-hmm.
1: protesting outside of, like, the white cis agenda.
0: Right. And also the thing about, like, places like Northampton, or just, like, white people in general, eh. for a lot of people, this was also the first time that they've felt the need to go out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and be so vocal. Mm-hmm. Like, the person that I went to the travel, the protest for the travel ban with... Right. Like, there was never a need in her mind Mm-mm. to go before then. Or at least she never felt, you know, right. like, drawn to go to a protest. Um, and that's the thing. For so many people, this was their first major protest mm-hmm. and their first major, like, action that they're taking. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, I'm sure a lot of selfies, a lot of, like, things of, like, look. Again, going right. back to, like, the idea of, like, their ally cookies. Right. Of, like, I've done this thing now. Like, post on social media so all my friends can. Right you know, look at this and see this. And so, but you're standing up for also, like, the Women's March. And then, okay, if you go to the travel ban. But then after that, it, like, there's no more participation. No.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting, I think, today also to see a lot of folks at the Women's March holding up signs around DACA. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, this is probably the first time that y'all are hearing about any of this shit. Like, you know, and thinking about, I think Puerto Rico was one of the things that we we wanted to talk about. So I have um a couple clients that I still keep on um, that I see for therapy, one of whom is from Puerto Rico. And they, you know, have folks that they know back home who are, like, just getting power back. And it's been months since Hurricane Maria, right? And I, I remember, you know, people posting about it and then forgetting, mm-hmm. as they do you know, right, and, and they, you know, talk about how, like, oh, it's, like, you know, not fair, whatever, whatever, and, like, but then they don't actively do anything, you know, and it is, I think, as you said, right, just, that has been a lot of 2017 for me, is things keep coming up, and coming up, and coming up, and people give up, Mm -hmm. and it's not because they're, just like intrinsically like bone tired in the way that we are because we constantly have to fight for ourselves and we're constantly working towards self-preservation mm-hmm. but, they're but because they're course. prioritizing they've better things to do in their lives mm-hmm. like go to a fucking like knitting class you know what i mean like that that's northampton yeah. in a nutshell sure but like it is the larger population mm-hmm. you know i remember speaking of maria there was a document that went out like a google doc something um, specifically geared towards therapists, asking therapists who were independently licensed and who had, you know, their own practices, to provide pro bono services or to be listed like as someone who could provide free services for um, folks whose families were in PR, folks whose families were going through the hurricane, um, people who, you know, were stuck here couldn't go back, people who had family who were stuck there couldn't come to the states. Mm-hmm. I don't think many of my friends signed up for that. I'm going to be honest. Y- you know, I think it it goes back to this thing that we, we talked about in the beginning around, like, selective activism.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and...
0: Picking and choosing.
1: Right. Yeah. A part of me wishes that with the severity and with the increase in, in what's going on, that people would fight more. And I am seeing that in some capacity. You know, I certainly don't want to diminish the increase in activism and... and policy and, and things like that, but, like, it's still limited, you know?
0: hmm
1: Like, I think Charlottesville was the biggest example for me, right, of, like, I just, I remember, like, coming home, and, like, my roommates were, like, so much more chill about it than I was, you know, and, like, they weren't detached from it, but it was still... Charlotte's, Charlottesville is yeah. also a hard one. Yeah, um,
0: there are a lot of hard points this year, but Charlottesville definitely st- stands out and right in a way.
1: Yeah. Well, it was it was a big turning point, I, I think. You know, and it, and it's hard because I keep going back and forth with myself of like, this isn't new. I know this isn't new. But like, we haven't seen anything like that in a long time, y- you know, and and. I was talking to you about this earlier um, uh, where in that I was thinking about how protesting has changed Mm -hmm. in 2017 Um, and like, you know, I've been to my fair share of protests, but like I went to the counter protest in Boston um, when the white supremacist rally was happening there and it was, it was a little bit of a different feeling Mm -hmm. than once I'd been to before, you know, which isn't to say that, like, there haven't been protests with SWAT teams and all that shit, like, you know, fucking, how did, like, the Black Lives Matter movement surface, you know what I mean, in response, I think, to a lot of the shit that was going on address and, like, how many fucking protests have we seen, Mm -hmm. like, trying to fight to be heard and fight for black life to be validated where, like, they're fucking pulling the SWAT teams out all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, it's not new, but I think I didn't. I guess I didn't think that I could trust the police less, or trust the white organizers around me less. I didn't think that was possible, and it became possible. Yeah. Like in that moment when Charlottesville happened. Yeah. Because I think it made it much more clear for white people, and that was the hard part. I think is that like I knew that it was there, so it wasn't surprising to me, but it was surprising for a lot of white people. And I think a lot of white people, like, theoretically think about putting their lives on the line and don't realize, like, that's what fucking happens mm-hmm. with shit like Charlottesville.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the president's response. Oh. Actually, I hate calling him the president. I know. And Trump's response. Uh, fuck. Yeah.
1: The New York Times does something occasionally that I actually really love. They'll call him Mr. Trump, yeah. which is like absolutely not what you're supposed to do, and it's like a very small thing. And obviously, like I want more radical shit than that, but yeah. I can I can appreciate yeah. that they don't
0: yeah. call him President Trump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. But Mr. Trump. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> His response or lack thereof to it is like not <laughs> doing anything. Also, not acknowledging Heather Hayes. Oh yeah. She was the woman who was who was killed. Who was killed? Um. By the. By the car, and... and right. Yeah, and, right. and he didn't acknowledge anything. I think maybe later on, because right. he got so much shit for it. Right. But not because he wanted to. Oh, of not. course not. Yeah. No, of course not. Yeah.
1: Right. But it's... It's these things that I think... Like, we knew were gonna happen, but it's a different thing... Like, with Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. Right? And And what a victory that was. And then to have not only that taken away but also then you know for that shit to, like what we were exactly what folks were exactly protesting like ended up happening yeah right I think it, it's just it is this very different thing between like knowing it's going to happen and actually seeing it happen before your eyes mm-hmm. because I think there is some small part of hope that I hold on to and I think we hold on to around this could work our fighting for this can make a difference and I think we still should hold on to that. I think that's very, very important to always keep fighting and always hold on to hope for change. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just... It's gotten harder this year. For yes. sure.
0: And it is making a difference. It's just... Right. Not as immediate. Yeah. I have to, like... I have to be hopeful of that. And, yeah. And realize, like, right. the, the small accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd never
1: leave. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, like, as terrifying as so many things have been this past year, you know, think about like the mid ele- the mids, right? Like elections in 2018, right? Like when we were doing our research, I was like trying to get a list of like all of the people who've been elected, and I think, you know, one of the more prominent like and more important people to center is Andrea Jenkins, mm-hmm. who's the first trans woman of color ever elected to city council, Yay! and she was elected in Minneapolis, Yay! right? Like, yes, like let's celebrate. But I had, like, this whole fucking list. I spent, like, half an hour Mm -hmm. writing down, you know, the first black mayor in, like, 20 different places, right? The first Sikh mayor in Hoboken, New Jersey, right? You know, the, like, first Latina mayor in Topeka, Kansas. You know, like, these places where you would not expect folks to be voted in, but where we're really seeing people of color triumph, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think those small hopes are kind of important to hold yeah. on to. It's about damn time.
0: I know, for yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that I want to go back to as well is also, I guess, another pivotal moment um, of the many, the, mm. um, the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah. And how the media covered that mm-hmm. versus how, honestly, how they even cover, um, now I'm blanking, it happened in New York, um, the pipe bomb. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because of... The perpetrator. Of course. Yeah, like, white man killing... About
1: 50 people. 50
0: people, yeah. Ballpark. Yeah.
1: Like, we've moved into such this separate state, and it, like, my first thought is, like, well, that's what it's become, you know? And I I keep pushing myself to say, we can't settle for that, we can't be defeated. But also, like, I think we can hold that and also hold, like, it's okay to just, like, take a fucking moment and, like, mourn, Mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of shit, you know, I feel like, like, fucking, you know, every year when I see these articles, you know, talking about, like, brilliant, like, activists or, you know, folks out in the community who are doing really badass work who have been incarcerated or who have died or who have been killed, you know what I mean? Like, It just, it becomes a part of the routine for me in a way that, like, I'm really trying and actively, like, putting in an effort to make sure that I don't, that that doesn't become routine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think that's the hard part of becoming, like, desensitized, you know, is that we shouldn't. But, like, that's also the work that we have to do Mm -hmm. as people of color, you know, is to constantly fight to make sure that we know that what's happening to us is not okay. Because the world is telling us this is just how it is.
0: Yeah. Everything has shifted. Mm -hmm. And it keeps shifting. Um, I know that for me personally, um, what happened in Charlottesville was terrifying in so many ways and especially like I have like I at that point I had just taken it off of my phone where I had the like, Google alerts for like crossing Memphis and, and KKK and I had mm-hmm. just taken it off my phone where I was like I'm not going to do this and then I had to put it back on right like I want to know immediately if something is happening right like I have to worry about that right it's the first thing I check in the morning yeah a lot of days it's right. the first thing I check to right. make sure
1: Right. Well, I remember, like, fucking, my parents went to the Dominican Republic earlier in 2017, and there were a lot of my white friends who were like, oh, that's cool, like, what are they going there for? Like, that's, like, fun, whatever. And yeah, the DR is not on, like, the list of countries, you you know what I mean? And the DR is not really on, like, people's radar as much, but, like, it's still a Latin American country, and my parents are not white, like, and they, you know, my dad, my dad can pass, right, but, like, I've talked about this before, my father opens his mouth, and you're like, this man is not white, because he can barely speak English, you know, my mother has an accent as well, and for me, like, thinking about them going out of the country was terrifying to me, and I, I'm very lucky that they're both citizens and have American passports, so that certainly benefited them, right, but, like, You know, this this year we we all went to the Dominican Republic for Christmas, which is a thing that I don't think has happened ever since my family, like, immigrated over here. You know, I don't think they've all gone back for, like, one event outside of funerals because it's Dominican tradition and custom to go back. But, like, you know, I remember having this small thought of, like, well, I'm glad all of us with our American passports are going over there rather than my grandfather with his Dominican passport Mm -hmm. coming over here. Mm -hmm. You know, and just these daily realities that we are now having to face... That, like, white people aren't thinking about.
0: Yeah.
1: Not in the same way. Anyway. Yeah. You know?
0: Do we want to talk about the holidays? I feel like mm-hmm. we sort of did right. a, a recap, but I also I kind of want to go <laughs> into right, a slightly right. happier later. Yeah! Um, at least for, like, you know, at least five minutes. Right, to right, be like right. Happy right. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, since today is January 20th, also what happened pretty recently we went home, um, and for the holidays, and for me, that meant going back to Memphis, um, and I hadn't seen my folks, I guess, in, like, four or five months, um, but I hadn't been back to Memphis in a year, Mm. and, and that's a long time for me, Mm -hmm. um, to, to be away from Memphis, it also, Memphis in so many ways, it's, It's a really interesting relationship that I have with Memphis. Mm -hmm. I love and I hate it at the same time. Um, But I realized how much I was missing it. And a lot of that has to do with Northampton. But I'm going to focus on the positive. Yes. I'm (laughs) going to focus on the positive. So I really enjoyed my time in Memphis. Mm. Uh, And it was the first time that I've been back. And I went back with my partner. Um, It was the first time that I've been back that I, like, every single day was just a happy day mm. to be there. Um, and my parents, like, they took a lot of time off from work, and we were just h- hanging out. Like, it didn't matter if we just spent the whole day at home. We would, like, watch movies. My dad yeah. watched Stranger Things with us. Yeah, yeah. Like, during the New Year, uh, we went out to dinner because my mom um, is a New Year's baby, and so she kind of makes it about her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, everyone's always like, oh, happy, you know, New Year's Eve. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. Uh, my mom's like, it's my birthday. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it, so it's, it's about her, but yeah. it was nice to just hang out. And on New Year's Eve, we actually like we were watching Stranger Things almost missed the new year cause it'd already been like New Year's cause we're an hour behind East coast time. Right. So I had, it was a big thing when it was like midnight in East coast, but it was still 11 PM there. And then we mm. almost missed it. And like, mm. with like, you know, a few mm. seconds to spare and like, you know, of some champagne. Um, but I just liked how relaxed everything was. Mm. That kind of just summarizes it. It was just nice to hang out with my folks and, and my cat. and and my partner and just to to share and like make some memories and like the place that I grew up in. Um yeah. It was a really good time. It was Mm. very like grounding in so many ways. Of not being there in a year and then being back in a place that was so formative for me and was so um it just and also, I mean, Memphis is a city. Mm. <laughs> Memphis is a city that has a lot of POC, mm-hmm. and to be not only around my family but also just in a place that wasn't a sea of white mm. was nice. Um, it's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I wanted it to be like forty degree weather because <laughs> for me yeah. that'd be warm, right? Like coming from this, and the whole time I was there it was like. 15 degrees mm. and then the day I left it mm-hmm. was like 40 degrees yeah um so I didn't get the Memphis yeah. weather and sun I was hoping for yeah yeah that was the only downside but if <laughs> right. that was the only downside I'll take right. it
1: right absolutely yeah Yeah. and I think like as you were talking I was thinking about what you're saying about like feeling grounded and just how important that is through years like this mm-hmm. right and in getting through the next couple years right is finding those spaces and finding those moments and those people with whom you can mm-hmm. feel grounded, you know, and, and have kind of that, that space to recenter. Yeah.
0: Um, it was kind of like a reset. For mm,
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I, I certainly felt similar about going to the Dominican Republic and I'll keep it short and I'll probably save more for next episode. Cause there's a lot to get mm-hmm. into. Um, mostly because I haven't been there in like 15 years. I used to go all the time oh. when I was a kid, you know, and it, like ballpark 15 years but still it's it felt such like home in a way that I didn't expect like I walked into my grandfather's house because he's the one that lives there and I remembered everything and I have like a shit memory I'm like really (laughs) like I don't remember anything like it's awful awful memory but like just it all came back to me so quickly and it was a place that I was always so happy as a kid but that's that's my roots you know what I mean like my mother lived there until she was around my age right a couple years younger Mm -hmm. she immigrated over here you know when she was in her early 20s but like that's her home you know and I've been to like the countryside where she grew up and I've seen like the city that my grandfather lives in now and I it was such an integral part of my childhood and such a reminder of my roots but also like I didn't have to deal with all the shit that I have to hold here. Mm -hmm. You know, I could just let that go for a little bit when I was there. And it's funny because I was like real sick for like half of my, my trip there. But like, it didn't even matter because I was so, I felt so at peace and at home and loved and cared for in a way that was so particular to Dominican community and family. Mm -hmm. Certainly really like grounding. And I think that was such an important piece for me. Also, it was fucking 85 degrees Uh, when it was, like, negative 10 here. I was in it. I was that bitch Snapchatting all my friends, pictures of fucking palm trees. I'm like, yeah, I have a fever, but I'm, you know, just sitting here in the rocking chair, like, in a tank top. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was in it. I was so happy. Um, But, yeah, that's that's important. You know, I think, like, being with, like, your people, Mm -hmm. you know, and also sort of having having space where you can get away from it all, you know, because that's important. Like, we need to reset. We need to recharge in order to, like, get back in and fight. Otherwise, like, that's how we burn out. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Do you want to end yeah. with a couple triumphs yes. of 2017?
0: Absolutely. All right. One of the biggest triumphs for that, like, I guess personally relates to me. Um, actually, this was a few, like, two days before I – Return to Memphis is when this was announced. They removed the two Confederate statues. Hey! Overnight. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, gay Memphis. Yeah. Um, I think
1: certainly one of the big things for me has been movies and the amazing representation, yes. but also the badass work put out by people of color. So last year, Moonlight and Fences and Hidden figure- mm-hmm. Figures and, like, don't get me wrong, I'm still really salty about the Oscars and yeah. Moonlight and everything that went down. Yeah. But, like, that's some amazing black boy joy and queer magic that was, like, acknowledged in this way that, like, fuck the system, it doesn't need to be acknowledged, but the fact that, like, that representation was there, that, like, a movie like that could finally win, that yeah. was, that was really nice to see. Cool. Um, also Black Panther is coming out, which I am so fucking hype we about. We just got tickets. Um, Get Out, yeah. obviously. Oh, yeah. Coco, which I still haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Literally everybody has been telling me hey, yeah. I need yeah. to see it. Um, one of my, like, best friends from college texted me being like, oh, my God, have you seen Coco yet? She's um, Chicana. I was just like, no, I know, I need to see it. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just really nice to see a lot in pop culture mm-hmm. um, that's, like, coming out and really speaking to, you know, like, the fact that we're here and we're still fucking thriving and we're still doing, like, a badass job at it. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the end of episode. Yeah. (laughs) So uh,
1: thank you so much for listening. We're going to try and be more consistent with our podcasting. Um, But definitely tune in next time. We're going to talk a little bit more about sort of what it means to come back to a predominantly white space. Mm -hmm. I think after coming back for the holidays and starting off 2018, just thinking about roots and thinking about home and family and kind of trying to reset right trying to reset trying right trying and a bunch of other things as always race identity politics race in particular because i got some shit to say about race in the dominican republic let me tell you it was a time (laughs) (laughs) but thanks for listening and we hope you keep tuning
0: in yeah new year new podcast yay (laughs) see ya